Hello everyone, I'm Harrison. And I'm Rachel. This week we're talking about weeks 33 and 34 and what we packed in our hospital bag. So stay tuned and join us on our journey to meet Meet Baby Baby H. H. We're going to start this off by going through some of the basics of what's going on with the baby. So by week 34, the baby is about the size of a pineapple, and they're going to be weighing four and a half to five pounds and be about 17 or 18 inches long. The baby's immune system is starting to get a lot stronger, which means that if they needed to be born, they have a really good chance at dealing with whatever is thrown their way. Their fingernails have also grown enough to reach the tips of their fingers, and the baby can sense the difference between day and night since the wall of the uterus is thinning out. The baby is going to start to close their eyes when they're asleep and open them up when they're awake, getting ready for when they're here with us. So some of the symptoms that I've been having this past two weeks is just a huge increase in swelling. It's actually gotten to a point where it was a little concerning for us, and we did end up making a little trip to the hospital because of it. Along with the swelling, the reason that we headed to the hospital was that Rachel was having a lot of headaches, a lot of vision changes, and was feeling really, really tired. And all of these are symptoms of preeclampsia. So we called our doctor and asked if we should be concerned about what's going on or if they could do anything. And they asked us to come in just for a quick checkup and we would go from there. So Friday morning of week 33, I woke up and my hands were just more swollen and stiff than they had ever been, which I have since figured out that it's carpal tunnel, which is really common to have in pregnancy. Um, But since that was unusual for me, along with the headaches and blurry vision that I had noticed over the past few days, we decided to give my doctor a call. We went into the office and the first thing they did was take Rachel's blood pressure. Because it was a Friday, they knew that if the blood pressure was a little bit elevated, that they were going to need to do blood samples and a urine sample as well. But usually they take those samples and they send them off to the hospital. And it could take a pretty long time to get those results back. So they said, just go to the hospital, go to triage, and they'll be able to take all of these samples and you should have results within an hour or so. A normal blood pressure is in the 120s over in the 80s and mine was reading over 130 so for pregnancy they don't get super concerned until it gets over 140 but it was high enough that they wanted us to get checked out high blood pressure is something that you can have independent of preeclampsia but it is something that they do get really concerned about So we've learned a lot more about blood pressure, and we decided just to pick up a blood pressure cuff so Rachel can take her blood pressure whenever she wants. The hardest part during the entire day was that I called my doctor very early in the morning, and we did not get the chance to go in and see them until 3 o'clock in the afternoon. So it was very mentally stressful. I remember Harrison was kind of like, oh, like, we need to get the hospital bag ready. Like, we need to make sure that the pack and play is set up and all these things. You know, even though if he was born, he wouldn't be coming home. But we didn't want to come home to a wrecked house. We have always said that we cannot believe that people go to the hospital and they don't have anything packed in their bag or they don't have even the car seat in the car. And when we got to the hospital, there was 
nothing that we had. We did not have a car seat in, and we knew that the likelihood of this actually happening and Edison coming home with us is very, very slim at this point. But it was just the fact that we were going to the hospital and none of this stuff was ready and we were just totally unprepared. So we threw together a little hospital bag, which we realized after that day did not have anything in it that we actually wanted. So it was a nice little trial run to get an idea of things that we actually need to order or buy before the real thing happens. So when we got to the hospital, we checked in and they just took us to a triage room, which is basically this room that you go into for additional monitoring and you wait to determine whether you're going to go into a labor and delivery room. Most people's experience with this is they go into triage and they end up going to labor and delivery immediately afterwards. But we were hoping that we would not be in that boat and we would just be sent home from triage after getting some results. I do have to mention a couple funny stories. So this hospital had told us that they were changing systems and we wouldn't be able to pre-register because of a security risk or something like that. And I had asked, oh, can we just come in and fill out the paperwork so we don't have to do it the day of? And they said no. (laughs) So it was kind of ironic that here we were, you know, filling out our paperwork, which I wanted to do anyway. And then the other funny story is the lady at the desk said that her son was named Harrison, and the way that they decided to name him that was when she was in labor, they were going through Harrison Ford trivia and just said, well, if it's a boy, his name will be Harrison. (laughs) I just think that's the most absurd thing ever, not just because it's also my name, but the fact that you had no idea what you were going to name your child, this thing that you're going to have to say for the rest of your life, and you just decided on a whim that you were going to name your kid that because you were playing trivia, it just seems absolutely (laughs) insane to me. But if that works for some people, then I guess good for them. And it's still a pretty good name. So I did my second urine sample for the day. And then they hooked me up to some monitors. So one of them was monitoring Edison and the other was monitoring my contractions. So this machine that Rachel was hooked up to has three different parts. One of them is very similar to the Doppler that they use at the OB's office every time you go. And the other one sits slightly above that and it measures Rachel's heartbeat the entire time as well. You also get a blood pressure cuff. So about every 10 minutes, they take a blood pressure reading just so they can see where it is the entire time you're in the hospital. The coolest thing about these monitors that we have never seen before is they're able to actually see how strong Rachel's contractions are. So this number on the little LCD screen is a T-O-C-O number, and we just refer to it as the TACO number. (laughs) So a taco number is how strong a contraction is. So it has a huge range, but anywhere from 5 to 25 is considered Braxton Hicks. 40 to 60 is the range for early labor, and anything above 60 is going to be later stages in labor. So I was having readings between 20 and 30 that day. So definitely in the Braxton Hicks range, but a little bit above it. So we were kind of like oh, this is interesting. I'm having contractions and not feeling them at all. It was really interesting to see this number fluctuate, but what was surprising is Rachel could barely feel it at all. 
Now, these numbers are not the only thing that they use to determine whether you're in labor. They also want to see how frequent they are. So you want to consistently be getting over a certain value before they consider you to be in labor. So if you have a contraction while you're sitting on this monitor that spikes all the way up to 60, it doesn't mean you're about to go into labor. It just means that you had one really strong contraction. And along with the frequent contractions, you have to have cervical change, which I was checked for at a later appointment, but we'll get to that later. So while we were in the hospital, they took a blood sample from Rachel as well as urine, and everything came back normal on that. So they weren't really concerned about anything with preeclampsia, and all of Rachel's blood pressure readings were also in an acceptable range. So they said, don't worry about it. It must have just been a weird freak thing, and you can go home and just keep watching it. When you're at this stage in pregnancy, it's really easy to feel like you're inconveniencing the doctors or the people that work at the hospital. But what I have to keep telling myself is I would rather go in every single day if it meant that Edison was safe. Any additional monitoring is definitely helpful, and it's nice just to know that everything is okay. We jokingly talked about getting one of these monitors later on because if we had one, Rachel would just sit here all the time, but they're insanely expensive, so we did not go this route. Earlier that week, we had gotten back from our baby shower, so we spent a lot of time unpacking gifts, putting the nursery together, getting all of the trash out of our house, and writing thank you cards. It was really fun to go through all of this stuff and just see what Edison's going to be using, but it was also really nice for us to know what things that we needed to get for him to be here. So after our little scare of he's going to be here really soon, we have definitely made sure we have all of this stuff. And I think that now we're sitting in a pretty good place that when he comes here, I don't think there's a whole lot we are going to be without. In the middle of the week, I decided to get a prenatal massage, which is something that I have been wanting to do ever since I worked at a salon and spa. I would always be the checkout person when these women were done with their massage, and you could just tell that it was an incredible experience for them. It's so pain relieving, and I had the same experience. I was having a lot of pelvic pain and hip pain, And after the massage, I felt so much better. If you're wondering what a prenatal massage is, as I definitely was when Rachel scheduled this, it's not really different from a massage. The biggest change is that you're not laying on your stomach because obviously you can't do that while you're pregnant. So they had Rachel lay on her back instead. Yeah, so I started on my back on an incline because you're not supposed to lay flat on your back. And then they also put a little wedge under my knees just to keep this kind of curve to my body. And then halfway through, she had me lay on my left side so that she could work on my back and shoulders a little bit. So the Monday of 34 weeks, we had another doctor's appointment. And this one is probably the roughest appointment we've ever had. I was in tears before we even walked into the office. I had a breakdown in the car because we had that episode on Friday where we went to the hospital and just worrying about Edison and you're so close to the end, but also you feel so far away that my body was tired. My mind is tired. I feel like I'm spending 
every moment counting kicks and, you know, can I feel him today? And it just is a lot. When we were talking with the doctor about a lot of these concerns, they were saying that all of this is really, really normal. A lot of women are in this situation this late into pregnancy, and they were trying to provide many different options that would help us alleviate some of this anxiety. Yeah. So she recommended medication if we wanted to go that route. We also got a list of counselors if we wanted to go that route. And I would just say, like, look into those things because your hormones are elevated. It's such a stressful time. It feels like there's so much at stake. Like you have this baby's life is on the line and you want to make sure that you are doing the best to take care of yourself and your mental state so that when you are postpartum, you know how to cope with those raging emotions. It's definitely not something to just ignore and pretend that it doesn't exist because a lot of this is caused by huge hormone changes. And that is only going to get worse as you get further in your pregnancy and after your baby is born. So if you can do something to figure out better ways to deal with this now, that is so much better than trying to figure it out when you have a very fresh baby. For me, just talking it out with Harrison and crying it out, you know, sometimes you just have to let yourself feel the feelings. I felt so much better after just telling my doctor that I was really having a hard time emotionally keeping up with making sure that my baby is safe. And ultimately what she said is like, just try your best to like, you know, get off the internet, just be present and Take it moment by moment, and that's really all that you can do. So that was Monday, and the next day, I was feeling a lot better. I decided that I was going to go for a little walk to our mailbox because we're in a little community. It's not right outside our door, so it takes a little bit to get there and back. And I decided on the way there, I was going to try curb walking. If you're not familiar with curb walking, curb walking is this very optional thing that you can do in pregnancy where basically you walk with one foot on the curb and the other foot on the street. And you basically just shift your weight up or down with every step. The idea is that it lowers your baby so that maybe you'll go into labor sooner. It's 100% optional and you don't need to do it. Some people even do it on the steps. Yeah. And I was just, you know, I had had this breakdown and I was like, I'm going to do everything I can to get this baby moving, like moving in the right direction. But on the way back from the mailbox, I took a tumble and hit my knee, rolled my ankle and was honestly just scared because falling when you're this pregnant is terrifying. When Rachel says that she hit her knee, it looks really bad. There is a huge scrape on it. She's got a cut on her feet. She scraped up her hands. She definitely hit the ground pretty hard. And when you fall this late in pregnancy, what they're concerned about is called a placental abruption. And basically, if this happens, it means that your placenta is coming off your uterine wall, and that is not okay. I also did not have my phone with me, so once I pulled myself up off the ground and stumbled back to the house, I was in tears. By the time I got back, I called Harrison immediately, could 
barely tell him what happened and just said, like, you need to come home. So I came home and Rachel was definitely not in a great state. So we just decided to call the doctor and see what they had to say. We thought they were going to ask us a very long series of questions just to see if there's any concern. But instead, they just said, go to the hospital. Like, you just need to go there. They can do all the monitoring and we'll get it taken care of from there. Of course, we didn't want to go back after just being there four days before, but like I said, you really want to do anything you can for the safety of your baby at this point. So we went back, they got me hooked up to the monitors, and we stayed there for four hours. That's the recommended time for monitoring after you fall, so it's not like that four hours is because something is wrong. So in this, they hooked Rachel back up to that exact same machine. The only thing that they did not do is they didn't monitor her blood pressure the entire time. And in this particular instance, they're paying a lot more attention to contractions. What we were very surprised to see is that just four days earlier when we were at the hospital, Rachel's contractions were like peaking in the 20s. Very rarely was it getting higher than 23, 24 and almost the entire time that we were in the hospital, Rachel's contractions were above 20, and they kind of spiked at 60. So those numbers would have classified as early labor contractions. And so with the fall, with the contractions, they decided that they should check my cervix to see if those contractions were making me dilate at all. And I wasn't, so they just continued with the monitoring through the recommended four hours, and then sent us home. It was very interesting while we were in the hospital because Rachel had this really nasty scrape on her knee, but was in a labor and delivery unit. So the people were very confused about what was going on. And it was pretty funny. They bandaged up Rachel's knee with a bandage that they use for C-sections. They're like, that's kind of all we have over here. So good luck and sent us on our way. And I just thought it was really funny that... They all are nurses and doctors, and here they are, and they have nothing to deal with a cut in a hospital. I honestly was kind of surprised at how they really did not know how to clean a wound. <laughs> While we were there, I definitely realized a couple of things. You know, this was a longer stretch, and so I got hungry, and that was a whole disaster. I really didn't want to leave that room because they didn't give me anything to like identify what room we're in so that I could get back. And it's like, I just really don't want to go and get food. We also don't even know if Rachel's allowed to have food. And I ended up going and we got a couple bags of chips that Rachel absolutely crushed. <laughs> yeah. So that kind of made me realize that, especially once you're admitted, like they really don't want you to eat. And so. I'm reconsidering when I actually want to go to the hospital so that I can make sure that my belly is full. Overall, the trip to the hospital was fine. We were a lot less nervous about it this time, even though there was a higher chance that something was wrong. We just knew what to expect, and I think that just helped us calm down a lot. We still didn't have a car seat in the car, but our bag was a little bit more packed. So since we've actually had to pack our hospital bag, we kind of realized what we needed and ordered those things. They have all arrived, and now we have our completed hospital bag. So for me, I am bringing some button-down pajamas, 
or afterwards, you know, you want for the mom, especially you want easy access if you're trying to breastfeed and you also want to be able to do skin to skin. I'm bringing a loose fitting dress to come home in a nursing bra. I am bringing underwear, but some people say don't even bother because you're just going to wear one of those like diaper pads home. We also have the boppy for breastfeeding, a fuzzy blanket because it was pretty cold in the hospital. And I did learn that being cold spikes your adrenaline and adrenaline attacks your oxytocin, which helps you in labor. So you want to try and be warm. I was okay with the pillows actually (laughs) at the hospital. So some people bring their own pillows, but I'm not going to. I'm also going to have some slippers and flip-flops. You want your basic toiletries. So for me, I wear contacts, so I need extra contacts, my glasses, shampoo, conditioner, and deodorant. I also had heard that bringing a stroller fan is like a really good idea because one, you can use it on your stroller after labor and delivery, but it has those bendable legs that you can wrap around your hospital bed. And I've noticed, especially in the third trimester, that having like an airflow on my face is really nice, especially in the car. I'll also have a robe and some gum. So we're trying to keep it as simple as possible. For me, I am not bringing anything like postpartum care because the hospital should have all of that for me. Overall, we have been told over and over again that anything you bring to the hospital, you need to be okay if it gets ruined with just throwing it out. You're definitely walking into probably not the most clean situation that you could be because a lot of stuff is going to be going on. And so you just need to be okay getting rid of stuff. So that blanket that Rachel was bringing, it's not something that we're super attached to and like want to have absolutely forever. It's totally a blanket that we're not just going to throw it away just because, but if it's ruined, we're not going to be heartbroken to get rid of it. Right. For me, the things I'm bringing is much simpler and the list is much smaller because I just don't need as much stuff for this. So I will also have button-down pajamas because in addition to the mom doing skin-to-skin, the dad is also going to do skin-to-skin shortly after the mom does. And for me, I would rather just have something that's easy to unbutton than just roam around the hospital without a shirt on. A lot of dads do go just the shirtless route and, you know, put a blanket over you and the baby. It's really whatever you're comfortable with. But I am seriously so excited to see Harrison doing skin to skin with Edison. I'm also going to be bringing one outfit, a zip up sweatshirt, just toiletries for me for the next day, and all of the stuff to charge our devices. You may be asking why we only have one outfit in all of our things, and that is because we don't want to have this huge bag that we take into the hospital. We would rather just take in the bare minimums that we need And we're going to have a day bag that just stays in the car that in the event that Rachel has a C-section, it's going to have a couple extra sets of clothes so that I can just walk out and get it. And that day bag will also have like a larger sized outfit for Edison just in case he comes out not fitting into newborn clothes. So in addition to that larger outfit in the day bag, the things that are going to come in with us for Edison is a onesie that says baby H on it that we want to use for pictures. We also have this little milestone disc where you can write like their height and weight 
And then we have a blanket and a coming home outfit. Obviously, you also want to have your car seat, but that should be installed in your car. I see a lot of funny stories of like, you know, nurses are like, dads, do not bring in the base of the car seat. <laughs> like the base should already be installed in your car. You just bring in the bucket part and take your baby out. Putting in a car seat is not the easiest thing in the world. So if you can have it done before you go into the hospital, it's definitely something that I would recommend. But if you are one of those dads that for some reason you bring the bucket up to the room, one, it's going to be much heavier to carry down. But two, you're going to have to stand there while all these nurses watch you install the car seat because they are not allowed to help you at all. So if you're concerned about your car seat installation, you should get it installed and see in your area where somebody else can check to make sure that it's done right. We are going to go to a fire station to get ours checked. They used to just, you know, you could just walk up and get them checked, but you should definitely call them or look online. We had to schedule an appointment um, at the fire station. So they do still do the checks, but you have to make an appointment first. These past two trips to the hospital have definitely been a little nerve-wracking for us, but I think we definitely needed the little bit of a wake-up call to make sure that everything was ready, and I think that we're both getting really, really excited for Edison to be here. These past two weeks have been very eventful, to say the least. Next time, we are going to talk about weeks 35 and 36 of pregnancy. Thanks for joining us. See you next time. Bye.